You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We knew we knew we were called here for about three years before we came. We didn't know what Awaken was yet, but we knew we were called to San Diego. And um, we know, I know, that we are right where we're meant to be. And, you know, God has done so much in our lives over the last uh, five or six years. Um, and I know he's got more planned for me and more planned for us. But over the last like two months, I've had a, a revelation that's um, pretty amazing to me. And it's that the reason that we moved here wasn't because we had a calling or I had a calling, but it's because you had a calling. And, um, you know, you're wise you, you do hard things easily, and you excel in all the things that I wish I did. And um, I, I, I see that over 2022, 2023, you and everybody you know is going to finally see the impact that you were called to bring to San Diego. And everybody will be surprised, except me. <laughs> and everybody will be amazed, especially me. I love you, and I'm proud of you. And I get points for making her cry. <laughs> All right. So I want to do a little bit of setup here for a minute before I get started. Um, there is some old common advice um, that's often given to public speakers, presenters, uh, business meeting people, um, where they're new to speaking. Um, but it's common. You've probably heard it yourself. And that's tell them what you're going to tell them. Yeah. Tell them and then tell them what you told them. So in that spirit, I'm going to tell you now in two sentences what the whole point of the message is. All right? So I'm going to talk today about um, having a change of heart more than a change of actions. And I'm going to talk to you about following God when he moves. So those two things, um, they lead to hope and joy and celebration and wonder. And, you know, it's not a, a coincidence that those four words are commonly associated with the Christmas season. Yeah, um, that's why I'm up here today to talk about those things because this is a message um, not about Christmas, but for Christmas. Yeah. So let's get started. Uh, with that, I want to uh, announce the wonderful title of my message here. Um, it's called Welcome to Camp Wonder. Woohoo! Yeah. I'll be your counselor. My name's Scott. <laughs> All right, so who here has read or heard the story of the Exodus? Okay, so for those that don't know, the quick version is about 4,000 years ago, a man named Jacob and his family moved from wherever they lived to Egypt because of a famine. And over the course of 400 or so years, they find themselves as slaves. Um, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and the oppression is bad. And finally, they cry out, God hears them. He sends plagues, he does miracles, he parts the Red Sea, they cross on dry ground, the Red Sea crushes their enemy, and they're standing on the other shore, victorious, free, and no longer slaves. And, you know, and that sounds great. That sounds like this is the start of a great story. Things are only going up from here. 
they're on their way. They got it made. God is with them. Except for these guys, they're kind of punks. They, they don't remember all of the things that God has done for them. They instantly forget the miracles. They instantly forget the parting of the Red Sea. And instead of being immediately in their promise, they're now wandering. They're following a man who's following God, who's chasing after a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. So I want to read um, Numbers chapter 9, 16 through 21. Um, but before I do, th- this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire, they, they, they represent the presence of God and how he was with them and how he was leading them through the wilderness. Even though they um, failed him so many times, time and time again, he was with them, he was protecting them, he was leading them. So that, that's what this represents as I read these verses. So this was a regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, they stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would only stay over the tabernacle for a few days, so the people would only stay for a few days as the Lord commanded, and then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud only stayed overnight and lifted in the morning. And this is, this is the important part. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. So I'll read that one part again. Day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. So, so we're all camped somewhere. And that's, that's not a bad thing. It's not like a negative reference. We're all living somewhere. And maybe for you, um, it's day, you know, day or night. Maybe for you, it's day. You can see the plan. You can see the light. You can, you're, you're walking with God. You're, you're, you're living out his plan for you. You are exactly where he called you to be. And you are there because of him and because of your choice to follow him. Or maybe for you, it's night and, you know, you're confused. You don't know how you got to where you were. Or maybe you know how you got there and you don't know how to get out of it. Um, But either way, the message is clear. The only way that we can get to where God wants us to be is to move when he moves. So today I'm going to talk about a, a few of the places where you might be camped. And if you find yourself camped in one of these places... I want to give you now at the beginning the encouragement that the cloud is lifting and it's time to pack up camp and it's time to move on. All right, so point number one, from heaviness to hope. Holy Spirit wants to take you from a place of heaviness to a place of hope. If I was to ask for a show of hands right now of who's had um, heaviness over the last couple of years or a deep sadness or um, some despair, I would guess that a lot of hands in the room would go up. You know, it's been a rough couple of years for a lot of people uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but when, when I was a kid, I thought I had it rough. I mean, I, I had a great family. I, I had a great, great, great family. They're right here. I had a great, great family. My mom and dad are the best mom and dad ever. But... I had a sweater that I hated. <laughs> and apparently my mom loved it. I don't even remember what it looked like, but it was like tight and scratchy. And it, it was like a torture thing. I, I, I remember going into my room, closing the door, and doing this like 
monologue thing with myself where I would talk about why would anyone ever, why were these invented? Who would ever want to wear something like this? Who would make their kid wear something like this? Sorry, mom. Um, Why would you do that? I don't even understand what the point of this thing is. The only thing worse than this sweater are onions and the devil himself. It's true. But I also, around that same time, used to pray... Shows, shows how innocent kids are. I also used to pray, God, can you make the devil repent and can you save him? Because that would just make everything so much easier. I don't know why anyone hasn't thought of this before. It, it would like solve so many problems if you would just save the devil. But it, that didn't work, um, obviously. Um, but that's not the kind of heaviness. That's not the kind of heaviness that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the real serious things, things that make you think uh, this hurts um, so much. I don't think I can forgive them. I don't know why they would do that to me. I'm alone. I feel hopeless. What am I going to do? I can't believe that this is over. This ended. I can't believe that they're gone. And, you know, I wasn't going to talk about this whole point at all. I just added this, you know, a day or two ago. Um, th- this week, it's, there's kind of some heaviness in my family. Um, a cousin of mine passed away on Thursday. It's been um, a long time since I've seen him, probably probably 30 years. The last time I remember seeing him, I picked him up at the airport to take him to a family Christmas. Um, and I haven't talked to him much. And if, if I'm being honest, we, we weren't that close. He was older than me by six or seven years, and we haven't done anything, talked to each other much over the last, you know, even, you know, since, since I was very young. Um, but I, I you know, I, I feel bad. I, I hurt for, you know, him. I, I still loved him, even though I didn't know him as well lately. Uh, I hurt for my family. I hurt for my aunt. And I, I wonder, you know, could I, should I have done something? Should I have thought to reach out to him? Should I have um, considered that Maybe I could be someone that he needed. Uh, maybe I could provide, you know, shoes or a coat since he didn't, he wasn't able to get them himself. Could, what, what could I have done? Could I have made sure that in all of his walking that he didn't walk away from God? Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I don't know the state of his heart, to be honest with you. I know he grew up in a Christian home, so I'm, I'm believing that he's, you know, sitting right there with Jesus right now. But, you know, there's this heaviness and... You know, there's a verse in Isaiah 61. It says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And, you know, I'll skip the rest. But there, there, the, the heaviness and the mourning and the sadness, and I know there's other people in the room that feel it too. Um, he, he wants to take you from a place of heaviness to a place of hope. And I know that he did that for me because I mentioned, I, I, I think of my cousin Jerry, you know, a couple times a year, he comes to mind for whatever reason, but just two or three days before he passed away, before I'd heard anything about him, God brought him to mind. And I don't think that was a coincidence at all. I stopped what I was doing and I, I remember specifically praying. And usually when I think about him, I don't like stop and pray. I just say, oh yeah, I wonder what Jerry's up to. But this time I felt you need to pray for Jerry. So I stopped what I was doing and I prayed. I said, 
God, I don't know where Jerry is. I don't know what he's thinking, what he's doing. But I pray right now that you reveal yourself to him in a way that he hasn't seen in a long time. So while the the heaviness is still here for me and my family, and and especially for my aunt, um, I can see that, that this cloud is lifting over, you know, camp heaviness and I can see that it's moving on and while it's not there yet I can see that it's going in the direction of hope so we're, we're moving me my family we're moving from a spirit of heaviness to a place of hope the, the next point um, point number two is uh, he wants you to go from judgment to joy so wherever there are people um, there are mistakes. Right, right. And wherever there are mistakes, there's some kind of judgment. Wow. So how many people in here are people? <laughs> More than the first service. <laughs> so for those of you that are people, um, there are two things that I know about you. One is that you've made mistakes. And the second is you felt judgment because of those mistakes. Um, and as best as I can tell, there are three kinds of judgment. The first is the most serious. It's when God judges you. But fortunately, he loves you and wants nothing more than to forgive you and wipe all that away and forget about it and be fresh and new every morning. So we'll take care of that at the end of service. That's, that's an easy one. Um, the second one is judgment from other people. And while that hurts, and while we need to fix anything that we might have broken... It's usually a, a, a straightforward thing to where you can see, I broke this, I'm going to fix it, and you can see a path to restoration, usually. It's not always the case, I know. But usually, if you're feeling judgment from other people, there, there's a clear way to figure out how to resolve it. But the third one is when you have judgment on yourself. And um, I've lived in that camp a lot. It's the big one. It's like... No matter what happens, you, you can't forgive yourself. So I know there's other people here who've, who've felt that way before. Um, you tell yourself things like, I'm not good enough. I can't believe I screwed up again. I know God is disappointed with me and he's going to reject me. Then nothing I can do can fix this situation. You know, things like that where you, you, you are judging yourself. And worse, you take your judgment for me. I take my judgment of myself, and I project it onto God, and I just assume that he sees me the same way that I saw myself. And obviously, that's not right. God always sees you better than you see yourself. He always sees you as righteous. He always sees you as clean, forgiven, as the child he loves, and the one who wants to be with forever. But, but that was me. And um, a little story. Long before I met Kelly, you know, I, went, I went to college, Long before I met Kelly, I'm a little bit older than her. <laughs> Long before I met Kelly, I went to college. Um, I met someone there, and um, we thought we loved each other. And um, we both made a bunch of decisions that drew me away from God. And it wasn't long before the writing was on the wall that this was a, an unhealthy, toxic, bad, you know, pick, pick a negative adjective. This was that relationship. Um, but... You know, we tried to stick it out for like four and a half years until it finally, 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 for like that, who knows how many times, finally ended. And by that point, she was broken. 
I was broken. I was broke. It was, uh, you know, I destroyed my credit. I had nothing. I was 24 or so. I moved back in with my parents. I slept on the floor because my bedroom had been turned into a sewing room. Um, it, it, it was, it, 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 it was, you know, kind of, anyway, whatever. It was what it was. But I saw myself as the one responsible, which I was, but I screwed up. I made a horrendous mess of my life. I am beyond forgivable. And I know my parents loved me, but in the moment, I felt like there was, there was nothing that could be done to redeem me and to restore, not even restore, just to like get me out from under this. Even if I was never restored to what I should have been, nothing I could do could get me out of this because God saw me how I saw me in my mind as a failure, and as somebody unworthy. Except for he didn't. Yeah, come on. Right. Ephesians 2.9 says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast. I couldn't do anything to earn my salvation the first time, and I couldn't do anything to unearn it or to earn it again when I came back to God. He loved me the whole time. Even when I was judging myself, even when I believed that he was judging me, even when I believed that he thought the same things about me that I thought about myself, he didn't. He had his hand on me the entire time, even though I didn't see it. Um, I eventually moved away from Northern California, where I grew up, um, to, to Wisconsin, of all places, <laughs> to get away from the mess of a life I'd made for myself, because Wisconsin is where you go to do that. So, so this pillar of cloud lifted, and it led me, you know, from my place of judgment to a place of joy. And yes. I'm not talking about Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not a place of joy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if you're from there, um, but it's, it's really not. But he led me there, and I found joy there. I moved there um, into a small suburb of Milwaukee, probably around 15,000 people. And within 48 hours of getting to town, um, I went to church for the first time. I wasn't super into the idea of going back to church yet, but I was temporarily living with my uncle and aunt who pastored a church while I was trying to find a place of my own. And I figured, if I live here, I have to go to their church. So I went to church that night, um, and they also had a bar in their church. This is not the first church I've been to with a bar in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found God again that night, which was the most important thing. But also that night, I met a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And 22 years ago, this Wednesday night will be the anniversary of our first kiss in a 1991 Red Pontiac Grand Prix at about 9.30 p.m. after a Wednesday night service in my pastor's driveway. All right, that's enough of that one. Um, all right, so point number three. He wants to take you from, from ceremony to celebration. And um, maybe you're like me where, you, where you've had a lot of ceremony and ritual in your life. And um, I'm not talking about the, the things that, that you do with your family that draw you closer to each other, the things you do that genuinely bring you closer to God. 
Those things are awesome. I encourage you to teach them to your kids and keep doing them. But I'm talking about the, the empty things, like the, the empty rituals where you know, you do things out of obligation. You do things that are rehearsed. You do things because you have to. You do things because this is the way you've always done them. But if you have a rehearsed ritual, then you have a rehearsed experience with God. And you don't have the fullness that he has to offer you. I'm talking about the traditions that are um, man-made traditions that, that aren't fulfilling. They aren't leading you towards Christ. And if you have a man-made tradition, then your experience won't be with God. It will be with the man that made the tradition. And the, the ceremonies that, that you might participate in um, that, are, that are vain, that are empty, where you have to be, like the Old Testament law says, you have to be ceremonial, ceremonially clean to participate in this thing. You have to be washed. You can't do this if you've touched a dead person. You can't do this if, you know, 9,000 things that you can't do and still participate in the ceremony. You have to be clean. So that means that if you have done these ceremonies, if you have had an experience with God during this ceremony, that means you can take pride in knowing that you were clean enough to do it and that this can rest inside of you that I'm good enough to do this. When, when in reality, I'm just as dirty now as I was before I washed myself. So I was baptized when I was eight years old and I really wanted to be, and it meant a lot to me. And I, I, you know, I think I did it for the right reasons and my parents encouraged me and they were, um, they taught me about it and told me why I was doing it. And I believed all that and I wanted to do it. So I got baptized when I was eight years old and, you know, baptism is a beautiful thing. You, you, You go in the water one way and you come out different and it's not because the water is magic especially here at East Campus. <laughs> By the way, we're having baptisms like a week and a half right over here, but it'll be filled with water that's from like a utility sink in the back, running through a garden hose with who knows what in it, and, and like two water filters strung together to get it as clean as possible before people go in there. I'm selling If you want to be part of that... <laughs> If you want to be part of that, let me know afterwards. I'll tell you how to sign up. But, but there's something about stepping in the water. Like, like the book of First Peter says, responding to God with a clean conscience and declaring that I belong to Jesus. And when I got baptized, I was serious and I wanted that. But that's not how it turned out to be. Um, I was sincere when I was a child, but it ultimately became like a source of pride for me. Um, internally, subconsciously, um, without even realizing it till years later, I would think things like, look at me. I made the choice to get baptized when I was only eight years old. Look how much I love God. You haven't been baptized yet? You didn't get baptized till you were 30? I am so much better. I mean, I'm so much holier than you. I must know a lot more than you. I got saved before Pastor Jurgen got saved. And... and I didn't even notice that this was happening. It wasn't like so bold and loud of a voice, but it, it was in there. And it wasn't until later that I realized it. And what should have been a beautiful experience that I carried with me as a real, true, and holy ceremony became this empty thing. Um, Amos 5.21 
kind of condemns me and pricks me about that. It says, I hate, not I dislike, or I wish you wouldn't. It's like, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. So I carried that pride with me for about, I don't know, 30 something years until um, five or six years ago when we, we left Wisconsin, we left our church, we left our religious life and started seeking what it really meant to follow after God, what to seek after him, um, to live a life of relationship instead of religion. And um, I started noticing a lot of things I didn't like about myself. You know, 75, 80% of it, we were good. We were spot on. We were accurate. We aligned with awakened beliefs. We aligned with the Bible. But there's 15, 20%, whatever the rest is, that I didn't like about who I was. And I, I didn't realize it all at once, just like one by one, I'd start noticing these things. And um, I'll be honest, the, the, the empty rituals, the ceremonies, they'd built it like a crust over my spirit. And as I break them off and I think I'm clean, every now and then I find like residue. I was like, oh, I see that. I see from the outside looking, watching myself from above, I see I'm doing that thing where I think I'm better than someone, or I'm doing that thing where I think I'm holier than them, or I'm doing that thing where if they would have asked me, I would have told them what they should have done. And at least now, now, even though I struggle with that, I'll probably struggle with that forever. But now I can take that and I can say, hey God, I found another one. Can you help me with this? And he does every time. Well, one of the most beautiful, wonderful memories I have in recent years was, uh, I want to say four years ago, three years ago, I got to baptize my own kids. And be before that, I, was, I wasn't sure that I was allowed to do that. That was breaking the rules. That was, you had to be a reverend, somebody, whatever, to baptize people. Otherwise, it didn't count. Um, you know, they'd have to get baptized again by someone else. It would be wrong. I would be in trouble for baptizing my kids. And I was scared to do it. And I, I asked Pastor Michael before I did, I said, I think I want to baptize my kids. Is that okay? Is that allowed? Can I do that? And he was, yeah, of course you can. They're your kids. You're, you're the, you know, the priest of the house. Whatever it was he said, he was encouraging. And he lifted me up. I said, oh, well, if he says it's okay, then I'm going to do it. And, and since then, you know, I, I look back at that time and I remember and I think, I am so glad that I got to do that. You know, I'm breaking these things off. I'm, you know, scrubbing off the residue or God is scrubbing off the residue, you know, you know, revealing the, the real spirit that he has inside of me. But this year at Emerge, I got to take my son for the first time. Who, who's going to Emerge? Yeah. Team David Macon. Yeah. So I got to take him to Emerge for the first time last year. And I got to see him break things off of himself. I got to see him do things that he didn't think he could do. And I was talking to him, and I could tell that he wanted to say something, but he was really hesitant to say it. And finally he said, hey, I want to get baptized, but I know you baptized me before, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. And all the, the, the religious spirit that I had, it was gone by this point. And I didn't feel any religious attitude towards him. I felt... Like, this was so amazing that on his own, he wanted to do this because he believed it. 
And so I jumped in the muddy water with them and we got baptized together that day. So even though I was baptized January 23rd, 1983, I now think of May 1st, 2021 as the day that I got baptized because this time I did it because of the right reasons. I did it because I have a clear conscience with God and I am his. All right, so my last point, and we're closing. And you can tell we're closing because David's up here. (laughs) Today is the Sunday before Christmas, in case you didn't know that. Santa Claus is in the back giving out toys and loving on kids and doing whatever Santa Clauses do. So why are we talking about wandering through the wilderness? Why are we talking about moving from the camp of ceremony to the camp of celebration or from the wilderness, the wandering in the wilderness? Why are we talking about all of these things that aren't Christmas? So I mentioned at the beginning that I was somewhat of a nerd and that they let me have the mic. So I get to do this. Um, So I'm going to go a little deep for just a minute here. There's an ancient Hebrew word that rabbis used to use to describe the visible presence of God. Some of you might have heard it before. A bunch of you probably not. Where I grew up, it was really common to say this word in church um, because that's what religious people do. But um, the word is Shekinah. And if you don't know what that means, it means this is the place where God's presence dwells. So if we were to describe... They they would use that word to describe things like the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, when the cloud covered the mountain, when he got the Ten Commandments, that one scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where like you close your eyes so you don't die and all that stuff. And when God boomed from the, the heavens, when Jesus was baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Those are all examples of when these rabbis would use the word Shekinah to describe there's a visible presence of the God that we serve and you can see it. In the wilderness, the the pillar cloud and the fire, they rested on the tabernacle. You could see it there. It's where God came to meet man. It's where his presence dwelled. But somewhere along the way, after Israel finally moved into the promised land, they crossed the Jordan River, they defeated Jericho, they started settling throughout the land of Canaan, turning it into the land of Israel, the pillar of cloud lifted again. And this time, it didn't settle back down. So people are left in this state of wandering because the cloud is up. The cloud is not settled. People, they're not wandering physically. They're in their land, but they're wandering spiritually. They're not serving God. They're not seeking God. They're not um, having a relationship with God. They're wandering until 1,400 years later when there was another Shekinah moment, and it reappeared, and it settled over a little town about five miles south of Jerusalem. Matthew 2 says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. That's Jesus, in case you weren't following. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed and worshipped him. Ever since then, that moment, we can see that this spirit, this Shekinah, this pillar of cloud, this fire that was leading people through the wilderness from the camp of judgment to joy, from heaviness to hope, from ceremony to celebration, it was leading us from a place of wandering to a place of wonder. So 
here we are in Camp Wonder now. You know, I'm going the wrong way in my notes here. There, 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 there's one other name that, that I like to use for this Shekinah thing. That'll be the last time I say that weird word. If, if we're talking about something that can lead us through the wilderness, we're talking about something that points to the place where God's presence dwells, something that points other people to Jesus. I think that sounds like the Holy Ghost, like the Holy Spirit. He wants to take you from, from where you are into all that he has for you. He wants to take you from heaviness to hope. He wants to take you from fear to freedom, from judgment to joy, from tradition to transformation. He wants to take you from commandments to a calling that he has on your life. I didn't have time to do all of these. Otherwise, we'd be here for like four more hours. But he wants you to take, to take you from ceremony to a place of celebration. He wants to take you from where you're wandering to a place where you're in wonder of who he is and what he's done for you. So, so as I wrap it up here, I'd appreciate it if everyone could um, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Maybe you're here and um, you've never followed the pillar of cloud. You've never seen the star of Bethlehem. You've never given your life to Jesus but you want to move from a place where you're wandering to a place where you're in awe and wonder. If that's you and you'd like to, to make a decision to follow Jesus, to make him your savior, I would like to pray with you and people around you would like to pray with you. And I'd appreciate it if you would just raise your hand so I can know that who we're going to be praying with. If there's anyone here. I see you. Thank you. Maybe, maybe you're like me, where you, you did that a long time ago. And then um, you decided, I can do it better. I know enough. I'm holy enough. I know more. I have enough experience. I can do this on my own. And you've started to wander. I wanted to tell you that God still knows the territory. He still knows the map to get you from where you're wandering to where you're in a place of wonder and he still wants to take you there. So if you're feeling any kind of a tug on your heart, like a prick in your spirit to where you want to get back to that place where you, you are seeking after the wonder and the awe of everything that he is, I'd like to pray with you too. If there's anyone here like that today, raise your hand so I can I can pray with you too. Thank you. I see a bunch of hands going up, and I, I appreciate your honesty. We're not here to embarrass anybody, not here to make anybody feel guilty or ashamed. This is a place where you can go from all of the, the heaviness and the judgment to places of hope and joy. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have you repeat after me. If you, if you raised your hand, or if you thought about raising your hand, or if you thought I was going to embarrass you so you didn't, you know, pray this prayer. Everyone's going to pray it with you together. So let's pray this prayer together. God, I thank you that you have the map that will get me from where I am to where you want me to be. And Jesus, I thank you for all that you did to save me. You died for me and you rose again for me. I declare that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me from wandering 
to a place of awe and wonder. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.